So thanks for coming back. This is going to be the fourth episode of the NES Experience. Uh, this time we're here with uh, another person in the NES uh, organization. Uh, it is Amanda Snooks Farina. And Snooks used to be a coach with uh, Ned uh, about seven and a half, eight years ago, uh, if I'm right there. And she just got back last month. She was in Australia for seven and a half years. Uh, so pretty excited to have her back. She's going to be stepping in as the operations director for NES. And yeah, she'll be chiming in on this episode. And also our, the next episode we do is going to be uh, just like a little interview with Snooks, kind of getting her background, bio, you know, some stories about her time before she went to Australia, uh, stuff like that. So when this one drops, you know, the Super Bowl is going to be, uh, well, when people listen to it, the Super Bowl is going to be over. Uh, but before that, just a little NES connection to it. Ned, I know you have a, a personal connection with the Rams D-line coach. Is that right? That is true, Tay. Uh, he was my NFL combine guy in 2000 and we'll say seven or eight. I'm staring at the picture right now um and his jersey so he was my nfl combine guy he ended up playing five or six years in the league his name is marcus dixon great guy great story um and he after coaching or i'm sorry after playing he went on to coach at hampton university and then now he's a d-line coach for the rams so who does ned want to win the super bowl we want to get marcus dixon a ring so the answer is the rams and you yeah, uh, so my offensive coordinator in college uh, is the Bengals offensive line coach. So I'm pulling for them, obviously. Uh, and yeah, D-line, O-line, that's been a matchup a lot of people have been talking about, you know, the next couple of weeks. Really uh, excited to see how it plays out. Uh, hopefully it's just a good game, you know. Uh, but yeah, it'll be fun. Said we we're going to talk about specialization in sports last episode. Uh, didn't really get too much into it, but I know, uh, it was probably the AFC championship game. Uh, you know, we both saw a graphic up there about Joe Burrow playing multiple sports, you know, multiple sport athletes and, uh, you know, just conversations we've had in the past. I know you have uh, a lot of opinions on playing multiple sports and, and specialization in sports. So just wanted to, uh, kind of get into that and, uh, flesh that out a bit. Uh, thanks, Tay. Yeah, um, specialization in sports is something that if you want to go with the NES Ned Hot Buttons, it ranks up there with reclassifying and, uh, you know, it's a big, it's a big thing that is misunderstood because of social media. You know, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions, but they don't have anything behind those opinions or just opinions. And I want to talk about you know, why you should specialize and, you know, why playing multiple sports <clears throat> basically makes it impossible to improve performance for your primary sport. So once you work in two sports, um, it becomes way more difficult to get to those measurables that you need to make it to the next level. And, you know, with every 98% of the people that come into my facility, their goal is to work on and improve their, their measurables and their play on the field to put themselves in a position to get a college scholarship and, and to play at the next level. So 
you know, for people that are, you know, recreational and just kids in general, you know, this is more for the athlete that knows they want to play at the college level and they want to get that competitive advantage, you know, to get there. Um, and then we got to talk about, you know, when should that be? So the reality of it is there's a sliding scale uh, and it's a case by cases, case by case um, basis when it comes to looking at these athletes and making a decision for them, what's best for them. So there isn't one specific age, you know, that it should occur. So we're going to go over kind of a three stage model that goes over what you should do if you have you know, your son or daughter, they're starting to perform athletics. When should we, when should we specialize? What's the time? So just a guideline. So that's not, you know, I don't want to say corrupted by D one strength coaches or professional athletes or all these people because they're genetic freaks. They don't need the, you know, they can play multiple sports and they're, they're where they need to be in all those sports. And they're going to make it no matter what. That's a small percentage of the population. Yeah. Like Joe Burrow. I mean, he is a genetic freak. Like, I mean, just the things he can do on the football field. He's an athlete like Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders. I mean, these are dudes who are just like gifted, you know, they can just go on and just play sports. They're just amazing athletes. Extremely durable, uh, a blessed genetic code. A lot of these, um, athletes that are playing at this level, their dad played at the professional level. Their mom played at the professional level. There was a, um, somebody I can't remember. Maybe it was Christian McCafferty. His dad just went into the Duke Hall of Duke Hall of Fame. is is an all time like the best athlete of the, the the school in the history of the school. All right, my dad wasn't that. Was your dad any? Did he have any nice little genetic pass downs to you? Uh, my dad was a, uh, a extremely uh accomplished judokin so all right yeah uh all right i wasn't expecting that yeah, I, met him. I used to beat the shit out of people oh now i feel bad all right well <laughs> but i mean he's still not in the duke hall of fame for the best athlete ever uh christian mccafferty ed or ed mccafferty was you know a pro bowler so yeah. i mean you're getting gifted genetic lines, which really sets you in a place no, no matter what you do to generally succeed. But the population of people that I get is not that. I mean, I get the 140 pound wide receiver that needs to get up to 175. You know, he's their Their measurements are off. I either got the short guy that's trying to, you know, prove everybody wrong because people that say that he can't make it because of his height, we can't change his height, but we could change his weight. We could change his strength, power, speed, agility. So I get the cases, which is most of the population is when there's, you know, an exit interview with a coach, you know, at the end of the year, they say, look, you need to get your hips aren't flexible enough. Uh, you, you had an ankle issue in your end season and you got to get that to heal. And we want you to gain 30 pounds and we need you to be more explosive. There's a, there's a, a reflection in a review period after every season. Well, at least this should happen. And the coach gives you things to address and work on. That's kind of hard if you go right into your next sport. Agree? Yeah. I mean, well, it's impossible. I know uh, personally I did football and basketball. So, you know, we'd get out of the football season. We'd have a week uh, and then basketball tryouts would start. And tryouts for basketball uh, were in the morning at like five in the morning. And we'd do one there and then we'd do another one the next day for a week. Uh, so they were, it was like 
just winding down the season and then it's really intense again and it's like you're expected to be in shape like ready for a season and you know a lot of times you're like for me I was like rehabbing uh like ankle injuries or knees and then having to go play another sport so it was you couldn't do it there's no downtime to even let your body recover from the sport especially with something like football there's no there's no time given to let your body recover then you go into a basketball season um, still in an overtrained state. And when you're in an overtrained state, it decreases performance and it increases your risk of injury. So you're actually increasing your risk of injury. Um, and when you go into that basketball sport, you're not as strong as you were. You're not as fast. Um, I don't know if you were, you were the weight loss guy probably. So I don't know if you gained weight in football and then, or if you were able to lose weight, most for big guys, for some reason, I found gain weight in yeah. the end season, which is crazy well, because I gained of, weight. I mean, in high school, uh, I mean, it's, it's not a secret. Like I got, I, I took a couple of licks and stuff like that in high school. So, uh, you know, I was happy to, to eat a little bit more as the season went on and be like, Oh, I got a little extra padding. This is great. But, um, yeah, I was not moving well at all by the end of football season. It was bad. And then you pile on, you know, a four or five month basketball season and then how'd you feel after that? I like just shamble. Oh, well, the first year I did it, I actually wound up uh, like spraining my Achilles. I wound up like missing the like right around Christmas and just missed the rest of the whole season. Well, part of the reason why you probably messed your Achilles up is if you look at the nature of football or basketball, you're on your balls of your feet all the time. You're jumping and loading and changing direction thousands of times. And then how long do you have to do that before? You know, you start to lose the the flexibility in your calves and your in your ankle joint, and then you start to lose that in an overtrained state. And before you know it, you have a popped Achilles, which could have been prevented. So, how does sports? I haven't even gone into it yet. I'm still not understanding yeah. how basketball is is going to prepare you for football or vice versa. When now you're spitting out, and now you're you're hurt, and now we have to spend the time in the off season, not only losing that five month block. Um, of training because of basketball, but the post rehab component of an injury occurring because you were in overtrained state because you played basketball. Now you're cutting out, you know, six months or more, seven months of your annual training cycle to be able to put yourself in a better position to perform. So, um, you know, so we're going to go over the why. Why should we specialize? It's to gain a competitive advantage. And, and, and really quick, when you mean specialize, just just for anyone who's confused, like you just mean focusing on like one sport. Like, you know, you have goals you want to play at the next level. Like you're going to focus on that thing. Yes. So that would be, you know, deciding that you want to be a football player and spending half of your time of the season playing football and half of your time training which, with that being said, training and athletic performance really is a sport. There's, you know, you're competing against, you know, others in the room, even though it's a healthy, competitive environment, you're competing against yourself. We're training athleticism. So everybody says that I got to go into this later. So many tangents I could swerve off on, but you're, we are improving change of direction, power output, strength, athleticism, speed, quickness, foot, uh, you know, all of these things. And in my opinion, athletic performance can be considered a sport, but that would mess up this whole podcast. So we're going to say, because nobody considers good performance training a sport that actually haven't had good performance training before. Um, so competitive advantage. 
we have a tight timetable. We have a lot to get done. Um, when you look at coaches, we were talking about this earlier, typically sport coaches at the end of the season, you get an exit evaluation and they go over, this happens more at the college level than the high school level. Um, but if you have a good coach, you know, I know our high school football coach for Hamden Hall, Joe Linta, he sits down with everybody afterwards and basically says, this is how your year went. And these are the things that you need to improve or address on. So the competitive advantage is taking that time to improve your body and get, you know, get to where you need to be. Um, we already tapped on it, but let the body recover to prevent long-term overtraining and injury. So getting an injury in another sport, you, you just lose more, more months in that limited training cycle, um, that we have. And then correct imbalances created from the end season. So if you look at something like basketball, you're eternally in an athletic position. So your hip flexors are getting tighter by the minute. Your calves are getting overdeveloped. Your quads are getting overdeveloped. Your lower back is, is you're starting to have instability and lower back tightness from all the changing direction, ground and or jumping and loading repetitively. Um, so if you ignore these things, these things just get worse. And the more you ignore them, this, you know, you, you're limited on your speed benefits because there's no, um, there's no flexibility and mobility component and corrective approach to, to fix the problem. So, you know, if you, if you just neglect your imbalances, worse things come. And for you, Tay, your worst thing that came was your ACL tear before you met me. Yeah, I definitely likely had a problem, uh, partial tear in my ACL before we met. Uh, yeah. And then the whole thing just kind of blew on me randomly. We, uh, we tried after. to recover it with, you know, we thought that we could get it with, you know, physical therapy and, and training to recover the knee, but it was, it was kind of too far gone by the time you got in. But, yeah, no, I mean, I remember the season before I met you, I was, uh, pretty much like immobilized and had a, a knee brace on the entire year. It was just not a lot of fun. And then I actually finished it out with a, a sprained ACL and MCL on my right knee and then a sprained MCL on my left. So that was a fun recovery time. And uh, once you have a severe injury, the percentage chance that you get another one increases. Once you tear an ACL once, there's a percentage chance that it's going to happen again. And once you have one, once you get your first ankle sprain, if you don't rehab it the right way, you're more likely to have to get a second one, you know, in that ankle. And it kind of get goes, you know, a lot for all injuries. So there's the, the imbalance correction component, um, compositional changes. So a nutritional reset, you know, we have kids with your, a metabolic skinny guy, you spend a whole bunch of time, you know, gaining weight. And just because the nature of the sport practice every day, four hours a day, the games, the nonstop, you end up losing weight. So one of the negative, um, or I don't want to say side effects or, or consequences of playing sports is having a lot of, you know, compositional changes. Big guys typically gain weight for, I don't know how, with the increased amount of activity, they shouldn't. And little guys lose weight. You know who doesn't lose weight? Genetic freaks. So we're going to give a shout out to Kanye Taylor of Hamden Hall. So he is a guy that he doesn't lose a pound. He looks, you know, and he's people that you may know, Sharif Grace, he didn't lose a lot. So you're, you're really good genetic built guys don't lose a ton of weight because genetically 
they're, you know, fantastic. Um, but most people aren't like that. Um, you know, part of the competitive event, getting stronger, every exit evaluation strength is a component of running fast, hitting a ball hard, changing direction better. It's integrated into everything. So you don't hear coaches coming out with an egg at, at the exit evaluation saying strength's good. Yeah, no, uh, very few and far between. You're fast enough. Never heard that in my life. You almost have, you almost changed direction too well. You might want to start moving around slower. I was stuck in molasses my entire career. Uh, you have the flexibility of Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. My knees were eventually able to bend in ways they shouldn't. Right. So those are all things that we're doing um, is to, to help get our competitive advantage. So that I believe are some, those are some pretty compelling reasons. Hey, if you don't need to get bigger, faster, stronger, more mobile, you don't need to gain weight. You don't need to lose weight. I'm not talking to you. You're good. If you're perfect already, go play another sport. So, um, that is my brief stance on why it's a good idea. Um, now we got to talk about why, playing multiple sports doesn't work now it doesn't work it physically works you can go out there and do whatever you want but based off of some of the stuff that we already talked about outside of that stuff um it's it's not gonna work unless you're the genetic freak and you should turn this off if you're the genetic freak you should not be listening right now so the first thing is it's a small window of time you have 12 months in a year and we got to start to look at within that 12 months how much time are we actually spending on a sport um, the way that sports are designed now, they have made all of these sports year round. So you, and it's a business much like supplements is a business. You know, these sport programs are a business. Is there a validity to their business? Yes. If you talk to high school basketball coaches, AAU is something that they have to do and that's how they get looks. And that's when they're getting recruited and they have to do that. And then you're not going to skip high school season and just do AU season. Very few people do that because there's a, a smaller, a very small level of exposure. And it's basketball. You got to play. You got to get, you know, you got to get into game shape. Part of the high school season is to get your feet under you to get ready for your AAU season. So, but once we start to look at a basketball, we're going to do basketball first, and then I'm going to do soccer, and then I'm going to do baseball. But with basketball, they start November 15th. And high school season basically goes till March 15th. So they're wrapping up here in the next month. And then they have a small gap in training, one to two months, which is just enough to for us to get them back to where they were and to prepare them and get their feet under them from a performance standpoint to get ready to compete for the summer. Um, but that gets interrupted with practices are going to be this day and that day. So we're going to maybe count that into the cycle, maybe not into the year and then they go into aau um usually like may to around the middle of august and then so that's nine months of basketball all right so at this point in time for you, your child might not be exactly where they need to be and now we know that we have three months to get them ready for basketball high school season and that would be the fall which would be september october or like middle of august to the middle of november so if you play a sport, let's say soccer, uh, soccer runs from the middle of August until 
the, you know, basically November 1st. So now you making the decision to, to do one more sport has taken away your training time window to get better at your sport. And it leaves you 15 days to prepare for a high school season. So my question, Tay, uh, how well can you prepare for basketball in 15 days? Uh, you, uh, you really can't. I mean, unless you're just going out there and just going to play like full court games like every day, just to gain like a bit of game shape, you can't. Now, the, the dumb trolls on Facebook are going to say soccer is the best thing to play because it prepares you for it helps you get in shape for basketball. Oh, you're in shape. You check that box. But unfortunately, you're in really good shape for a anaerobic sport, meaning there, there's more things to look at than just, you know, aerobic base. And it's all right, aerobically you're good, but how are you anaerobically? How's your strength? How's your power? Power, explosiveness, you know, what happened to your, you know, how's your weight? Are you healthy? How's your flexibility? Once you work all those things in, the only thing you're in shape, your heart's in shape. But everything around that um, is, is not ready to go. So in basketball, if you you decide to do soccer, and you're trying to be a basketball player and you want to play in basketball in college, you get 15 days a year. Doesn't work. Moving on to soccer. They've made soccer soccer a year-round uh, sport. I have soccer players in right now. It is super hard, just them playing soccer, to find a period and a block of time. We know that optimally three months, three days a week is going to get us where we need to be. They don't even have a three month block. So with soccer, we get, we try and fit in, you know, a couple two month blocks, which is less optimal. But, and then the only way to override that is if you have a parent that's, you know, dedicated, understands the value of what we're doing and basically makes it a priority. So I have a private and now they're doing four months, they get four months in. And we've been doing this since they've been 10 years old. They actually specialize at 10. I don't, we're going to go over when you should specialize later. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of that, but as I said, it's a case, case by case basis. When you look at these two athletes, they're hungry. They work their ass off. They knew, they know exactly what they wanted to do. They still want to do it. They were mature. One of them wrote a book already. They have a chameleon business. I mean, these kids are no joke. So if they don't, why force these kids that are little mini adults to do another sport when they don't want to do it? Overall, that's a special case. That was another case. So overall, yeah, I want, and I'm going to go into this later. I want kids to play lot, lots of sports um, up into a period of time. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, if you're just interested in one sport as a kid, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, a chameleon business. That's pretty cool. They like sell. Yeah, they're really cool looking. I actually uh, told Bubbles, I was like, what do you think about getting a chameleon for the kids? And she was like... And you got a dog? Well, not yet. But now she was not... I didn't know. I don't know anything about it. And she's like, that's not a good starter pack. So I'm like, all right, we'll get a goldfish. And That's how you got the goldfish. That's part of the way, part of the reasons why we pivoted to the goldfish. Wow, yes. okay. Named Daddy Fish. Is Daddy Fish still around? So I don't want to suck soak up the <laughs> podcast, but to make a long story short, 
two goldfish. They died after day one. We bought the hum most humongous tank ever. We went to the store and picked four new fish. The kids named them. And then we brought in two sucker fish to clean the place out. Those guys brought in some fish cooties. They died. Oh, no. And then one by one. Was it COVID? Uh, it was basically the COVID equivalent. <laughs> it was it was fish COVID. So they brought in fish COVID. And then Castle, Castle, Castle. That was one of the names of the fish. Died. Mila fish. Done. Oh, Mommy no. fish. It's a wrap. But... <laughs> Daddy fish was the biggest and he was the, he's the only one that su survived fish COVID. Uh, so now he's swimming around alone because everybody's afraid to put more fish COVID into the swimming tank. And he's got a nice 40 gallon tank to swim around all alone every day. Anyways. All right. Daddy fish living it up then. Great. Let me go to baseball. Uh, with baseball, we got a March 15th start date for the spring. They play their high school season, which usually ends in June. Then they play their summer season, which is where they get – they have to play youth summer because this is where they're being evaluated by college coaches. So that takes us into end of the September, and then they do fall ball because situationally they need to play more, and most of these summer programs want to continue to charge them. So they end up, you know, playing through that. Now we're at November 1st. So with baseball, that's actually kind of the largest window. Whereas if they don't play another sport, we can get five months, which is why I don't want to say I love training baseball players more, but I do love their annual training cycle because I can do a whole bunch in five months, which hopefully if you've went to, you know, our gram, you can see all the body transformations that we're making with these guys because they're able to take that time out and literally change themselves. So um, so those are three sports. But if you gave me any sport, so we will chime in to Snooks. Snooks, you played field hockey. I played um, field hockey, yep. So, so I played field hockey in the fall, and I ran winter track in the, min in the winter, and I played softball in the spring. So I played softball from a young age, and it wasn't until I was 14 when my administrator of my school came around and said, encouraged everyone to play three sports, or at least two sports. So I was like, all right, cool, what can I choose? And I picked field hockey, which, funny enough, I ended up going on to play field hockey in college. But now looking back, I realized that I was hurt and, and hurting all the time because I literally would play field hockey and then I would go straight into winter track and then I would go straight into softball and then I would play softball all summer and then go straight into field hockey again, which at the same time, I wasn't actually aware of sport performance training anyway. So I looked at winter track as something to do, like you said, to get in shape for softball or to keep me just moving in the winter because I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit lazy as a high school kid, which I know a lot of high school kids are, but that's why it's important to have a strength training program to keep you in shape or moving. And now looking back again, when I did my internship um, in my junior year of college, for the first time I had a structured strength program, which focused on um, improving our, my strength, my power and speed. That year going back into my senior year of field hockey was the best year I've ever played a sport in my whole life. <laughs> so as a strength coach now, looking back, I see the importance of specializing and working on, you know, like I, like you said, strength and power performance. I got you. Um, 
so those were well that's your fourth example field hockey and that's become a can, can become a year-round sport also um you know so you can take it through and just all your sport you could look at your own look at your 12 months how much of your time is occupied and when you start blocking out month by month you have to be able to say well how do i get better at my sport and then when am i going to do that and then then add in your your auxiliary sport your second sport or your third sport and then you'll see that it's not possible so um troll questions so when i was going through and doing research for this podcast i was trying to get in the head because i'm like all right everybody's got you know everybody's got an opinion let me try and you know maybe it's me maybe i'm nuts so i was like all right let me start to i'm not interacting with these people ever like i see i never for 10 years would never read anybody's comments on anything and then when I start, when I looked in, I started reading them. I was terrified that there are so many people on this earth with an opinion. They're just randomly firing things out with no basis behind it, with zero experiences, and they really believe they're right. And most of the time, they're not. And they're not only not right, but they're arguing with 27 other people who think that they're right and they're not right. And it's a whole bunch of people that are wrong getting mad with their blood pressure boiling and it is complete insanity. So I'm not interacting with them. I would rather talk shit about them now. So we'll, you know, we'll go with Jimmy Dickface. Jimmy Dickface says basketball is the best way to get ready for football. So that's not true. We already went through the basketball training timetable. So if you, I don't really know what it gets you right. It gets your heart ready for, you know, football because you're in shape that's assuming that you play it out and go through all the way through AAU but during that you're also missing summer weightlifting you know the the working with the team on a daily basis getting to know your coach your football coach isn't happy that you're playing basketball right now I don't mean and part of this whole game is also trying to please the coach and making them happy and um, they like when people are around uh, the football coaches that I have relationships with they don't want you know, people to play multiple sports. They want people to be good football players. And they come to me and say, Ned, I need him to be running a four, five, 40. I need him 185 pounds and healthy. And, and I'm like, okay. And then we try and do that. Um, and that's just generally, you know, that doesn't work because you're playing basketball from March and or November, right. When you get done with football, you go right into basketball and then you're either playing for five months or like nine months. You literally, it's the same thing. You have a month to prepare for football. I've seen kids that prepare for football and take a month to prepare. And they look like dog shit. But they should look like dog shit because they only allocated one month to putting their body in the best position to succeed. That was uh, that was Jimmy Dickface. John Dickface says, other sports will improve your athleticism. That's not true. We no, this are, guy's as dumb as his brother. Right. So John, the problem with John is, now this was general. So if he's saying, you know, when you're nine, playing other sports will improve your athleticism, that's true, which I'm going to go into later. But when we're, we're talking about right now that high school level, 14-year-old, 13, mature 13 level, and the answer is no, training will improve athleticism. That is some other sports 
help with other sports when you're a kid and you barely know how to skip, run, bound, cut, change direction and things like that. Um, I don't, I can't, the Dick face family, Jane Dick face says the best athletes played multiple sports sports in high school. Yes. There were a lot of great athletes play multiple sports. Now let's figure out why they're doing that. Mostly because they're recruited to play multiple sports, which means if you're a high school coach, you got to create a team under usually, you know, not enough kids with a low budget and you want to win. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go, you know, in my backyard and look at like, who's the most athletic? We've done this. Who's the most athletic basketball player? Let's grab him and make him a wide receiver. Um, and you know, the basket, everybody wants the great athletes to play multiple sports. I have two people in this room and they both played three sports. And what Snooks just said was she was encouraged to play three sports by who? The administrator of the school. And the administrator, do you, do you think that she is individually looking at every person and going by a case by case basis? Or is she saying, I need everybody to play three sports because did you go to a humongous high school? Yeah, I think I graduated with around 400, 500 people. So, yeah, the school was pretty big. And I think it was an assembly where all, there was like basically the whole sports teams that were playing at that time who were brought together and encouraged to look into a second or third sport. Personal agendas. So <clears throat> high school sport, not all of them, as I said, you know, some of the ones that I have closer relationships with, um, you know, they will, they're, they're, you know, we're at the high school level and we're, everybody's trying to win state championships. They just want to play one game, but the school, the ADs, they want you to, you got to fill teams, especially if you're at a small school, which I get, it's a tough situation when you have very few kids, our roster for hand and hall is like 23 players. Like we got to the point where, you know, if everybody didn't stay healthy or if too many people got hurt, we couldn't put a, a, you know, a team on the field. And so I understand that, but I am not working. I am in a private institution where I have, you know, clients that come in and want to do things. And my job is to get them where they need to go. Um, and then, so that was Jane Dickface. And then uh, Jeanette Dickface said, I wonder if Bo Jackson grew up playing one sport with her super sarcastic texting tone. Bo Jackson is a genetic freak. Bo Jackson really didn't even lift. Uh, he went from baseball to, to, to football, and he also did track. And that's why people look at Bo Jackson. Well, Bo Jackson did track, and, and Bo Jackson is one of the fastest athletes alive. And Bo Jackson did three sports. And Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson, and we'll be lucky. If we, we will never see another Bo Jackson. And yeah, we'll, never. So – let's stop using small percentages of the population to make our decisions off of. That's the big problem. So don't look at, I'm looking at the 80% of people that are not, you know, that, that are not Bo Jackson. Yeah. It's if it, you know, it's the difference between if you specialize, are you going to be a D one double a athlete who played three sports in college? Or are you going to be a D one a athlete who, you know, focused on one sport for three, four seasons? I have, two athletes right now. I've had four girls in the past five years play two sports. Love them all. Uh, some of them I didn't get until college. Some of them I had in high school. And 
they are part of the reason why it worked is they were extremely durable um up until a point where it caught up to them and then injuries caught up but these if they would have picked one sport they could have been d1 athletes but they continued they wanted to play at the next level so all these d1 football coaches that are saying we love when our athletes play three sports how come when these kids get to college why can't they play a second sport in college yeah i mean they just love that they're that athletic i mean they probably love that they're that you know durable or you know able to just do it you know because they're a good athlete but alabama's getting 100 genetic freaks you're getting the best football players in the country this pro this situation doesn't affect him he doesn't have the 150 pound you know baseball or football player he has all guys that are ready to go because he has the these the guys that have the small percentage of elite athletes that that can play multiple sports and stand up to it all they have them all. So his opinion, he is completely, you know, not in the the world that I'm living in, you know, but in Connecticut, I don't have a hundred Alabama kids, you know, that are all ready to go. Yeah. And I don't even know if most of the guys on the Bama team, I might just get blasted, you know, if I'm completely wrong, but I don't know if most of them played multiple sports in high school. There's a lot of those dudes are like, you know, they're built to be pro athletes, you know, in three, four years. And you don't get built like that if you're playing three sports nonstop and you can't really put in, like, work to lift. Like, I forget what his name is, but I think he's a Georgia running back that just committed. And the dude's just built like a tank. He's squatting, like, something ridiculous, like 620. He played football in high school. That's yeah, it. I mean, you have outliers. So I told you, somebody with a mesomorph genetic really good genetic build like kanye he's just he's durable i mean and he can do it but you know you don't get those all the time those are the you know and for him he's got to fight you know the height situation um so for him it's just like because he's uh vertically challenged because i don't want to talk anything bad about short people like snooks who's five <laughs> foot tall um but you know we have to overcome that i know the kid can play d1 no doubt if i was a d1 coach they're not they don't want to much like sometimes women they don't want to look past his height and that is that's not fair but that's our reality so we got to make everything around this kid better to make him pop out to overcome some of the challenges that he already has so when you look at <clears throat> when should I specialize, um, now we're going to break down, you know, the, the, the sliding window of years and, and what to do. So the Journal of Scientific Research created a three-stage model of athletic development. Um, and this model was reviewed and looked at by your top exercise scientists and researchers, you know, really good strength and conditioning coaches. So this is not, you know, the dick face family coming in and saying something. This is people that, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, researching this. And basically um, the three stages are the sampling years, the specializing years, and then the investment years. So the sampling years is basically whenever they start, whether it's six, seven, eight, basically up until, you know, a, a 10, 11 years old. And the focus is being fun, exercise, sportsmanship, all those funny or fun things. Um, 
but basically the kids should sample or play as many sports as possible to see which ones that they like best. Make it fun. I'm anti the seven-year-old dad screaming at his kid, you know, because he's not getting enough playing time. Um, there are benefits to playing multiple sports when you're at a young age. So a lot of the kids that I'm getting in now, not like right this season specifically, but their ability to just the athleticism with a lot of these kids is decreasing. And part of it is because whether it's not playing enough sports, but not being outside enough. And I'm going to say it probably not playing enough sports. I'm getting them at 14. And a lot of the, when we were kids, I was, you know, always outside. I was playing, you know, I played probably eight different sports went up until I got to high school and it did. It helped me, you know, with, kinesthetic awareness and what is that your body is able to identify look at something and replicate it and identify joint angles spatial awareness uh your your body's ability to know what's around you in space and open field you know workouts um you learn to be a role player because there's a good chance that you're not going to be the if you're playing all these sports when you're a kid you're not going to be the best one in each one and learning how to be the leader and the best and learning how to be not the best and knowing your role is a very important thing to be able to do. You know, general fitness, being more active, getting the kids, you know, off the screens, whether it's a TV screen or whether it's phones, uh, lower fat, lower body fat composition. So that's something to where, you know, um, and it's just being more exer exercising more and being more active. Hand-eye coordination, you know, it's there's a benefit to being able to, you know, use your eyes to kick a ball versus hold a racket to be able to hit a ball. You know, those are good things. Yeah. It's easier to learn that stuff when you're young too. Like it gets much harder when you're like, you know, 16, 17, 18, trying to do hand-eye coordination still. Yes. So this block, I am all about, you know, and we're going to take this block. My block is up until probably 11. Um, and the sampling years is sample it out, have fun, do more of it, all about it. So the second, um, stage is the specializing years. So when you hear this, don't be like, ah, there he goes. He's saying 12 times to specialize, not saying that. Um, so that if you look at a sliding window range, they say 12 to 16 years. Um, so I kind of trim that down. I find very few 12 year olds that are mature enough to be able to handle it. Really? My scale is basically, you know, when, when are we going to figure it out? No, 13, 14. I've had a mature 13 work. I've had a 13 not work. I've had a mature 12. I've had them. It was an outlier. I had a mature 10 work. But in general, by the age of 14, everything starts. You hit high school, everything becomes more real. And then they start to understand, you know, the the, the limited timetable that we have and, and things like that. So it's the answer is so there isn't a specific year. It is, it could be 12, it could not, it could be 13, it could be 14. I don't know the guy or all the people that created this to take it out. The problem is 16. Hey, it's better than playing your senior year of football when you have a D1 baseball scholarship. But 16, you're looking at sophomore year. Um, and for somebody, if you're really young and you didn't reclass, you know, you're creeping up into your junior year. Every year before 16, you're you're giving yourself a whole year, which isn't a whole year, a five month training block to get better. And then if you start at 14, you get a two year training block to get better. If you start at 13, you get a three year training block because specializing at 16, kids are committed by 16. 
you know, your summer of your junior year, 17 years old, you should know where you're going to play baseball and basketball and football. You know, it doesn't always happen that way. That's why people post-grad reclass, whatever, but you have to be scholarship worthy by 16, or you have to be able to build your resume enough to transfer to a prep school and do a reclass year to build value to not pay full price for that year. You have to start building film as a freshman. So you have to be, and because it's Connecticut, you have to be an all-state player, especially if you're overcoming something like height. You have to be an all-state or all-New England player like three years because Connecticut doesn't get respect. There's a, there's good talent here, um, but it doesn't get respect. You can't overcome those things. You have to build all these accolades to get to the point to get the offer. This isn't everybody's like preparing for college. We're preparing for college. It's it's really preparing for the summer of your junior year. So we don't have the senior year's done. Like there's nothing. If you're training in your senior year and and you still aren't where you need to be, you're sitting here deciding whether you're going to go to a small D3 school or if you're going to reclass, which is why reclassing is so important. So, and then their third stage is the specializing years. So I'm sorry, their, their third is the investment years. Um, and that's where the athletes are um, physically and psychologically developed enough to really be able, they're mature enough and developed enough to be able to, you know, pick one sport and responsibly train to go through their whatever, three to six month block of training and really get something out of it. Because blindless training, if, if your athlete is unmotivated and they're lazy, hey, if they're lazy, you might as well just have them play multiple sports because they're not going to make use of the time in the off season to do something like this to make themselves, you know, better. And the last thing is, you know, when you're trying to figure out who to listen to, A, you could always reach out to me and I could uh, help you with anything that you need. You cannot listen to high school coaches. And this isn't not, I'm generalizing. If you, if you're a high school coach and you don't feel this way, then, you know, this doesn't apply to you, but typically there's an agenda involved. D1, D1 sports and D1 football coaches don't understand what we're going through. And anybody who's trained with me for, I have, you know, Dickie just left. He was 136 pounds. Nick Kuja, he just left for spring training. He's, he was a hundred and whatever, 40 pounds. And now he's 210. He spent nine years trying to transform his body. I have a picture of him upstairs. You look at that picture. He wasn't projected to be a professional baseball player. You know, he, but what he did is, and he's actually, he's all about playing sports. We kind of battle back and forth about this because, but when I met him, he played soccer and he was a rail. That's what we do know. That's fact. And I agree with him that, you know, play sports and me and him have had a conversation. Kids aren't athletic enough. So he has, uh, he has a business in his off season, who's pitching where he, you know, teaches kids the, the biomechanics and, and how to throw better. Another tool for the toolbox. Um, and you know, his recommendations are, you know, crow hop throws off balance throws, try and be, it's good to go out there and try and be Pat Mahomes and not, not go play three sports, but run around and be athletic and, and, and do these things because there is something that's missing with some of the kids, you know, that are, that are coming up now and they kind of don't do that. But, um, old people, I love old people, man. 
this is the we're in we're 2022 right now like in my day and in the 70s i played four sports i mean gas was like five cents a gallon too it's just it's that's not our situation we are in a competitive world the times the measurements everything is different from the 60s we are in a different time we understand that you like that and that was great uh, but it's not, that's not what's best in, in the now, just times are changing. Um, and then anybody, any parent who basically played multiple sports is always going to endorse it because they did it and whatever you, they did that it must be good, but it's really kind of not good. So, so yeah, uh, I guess that'll probably do it for this episode of the NAS experience. Uh, next episode, we're going to sit down with Snooks and just kind of go into depth about her internship experience and just kind of get to know her a little bit better since she is the new director of operations at NES Sports Performance. Uh, and that episode's going to be dropping two weeks from now on February 27th. Uh, and yeah, I uh, appreciate you guys listening and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>